Hey everybody, um, in this video I want to do a little bit of a preview and uh, introduction to the Atlantis zine that I recently put out. Um, it is completely based around the teachings of esoteric philosopher Manley Hall. So I've aggregated uh, information from across his lectures and books and articles and pamphlets and sort of synthesize them and put them together in this package. There's a lot of my own interpretations in here. So this is now available uh, in a digital or print version. And I am very proud of it. I think it's the best single source of uh, information that you'll find on not only the idea of Atlantis, but uh, concerning the larger themes of human history and how human life fits into a, and the story of the trajectory of human life fits into a story of the fact that we live in a spiritual universe and it discusses the relationship between humankind and God and attempts to understand human history and human evolution from this spiritual understanding rather than a materialist-based under, based understanding, which is sort of the orthodox view that we have today. So that's what the theme of this is about. It's more, the, it's, it's about more than just Atlantis. So I want to just go into a couple of the main themes and ideas that you can find here. And I want to note that uh, if you do purchase this on the, on the back cover, there's a password and uh, either this week or next week, I'm going to record a full video walkthrough of it. So that'll be available to anybody who purchases this. You can walk, uh, you can watch that, and uh, I'll go over all the material. So the basic premise of this worldview that I'm putting out in this um, study guide, that which is a worldview that I've learned not only from studying Manly Hall, but also theosophy, and then before that, really studying system science, because there's some similar principles emphasized in system science that you, that you find in the esoteric field. And actually, that's how I got into studying esoteric philosophy was after studying system science and attempting to kind of put together an understanding of how the human system works on a psychological and a sociological level. And there were certain things I couldn't put together until I um, got into the sort of esoteric tradition. So... Um, that's a little bit of the background. Uh, the The premise here is that, like I said before, that the whole universe is God. There is only God, meaning there is only a unity, and all diversity takes place within unity. So that is the premise upon which the entire Atlantis hypothesis is built, because when we're talking about Atlantis or an earlier stages of human history or when we're trying to make um, sense of our current stage we're understanding that this is taking place as a cycle of existence that is happening within god by god and for god's benefit so again the unity contains the diversity so um so in the the, the early pages, I would say the first quarter of this is not even about uh, the sort of history of humanity. It's more about laying this foundation of how to approach these topics and understand human life in this concept of we live in a spiritual reality. Fundamentally, it's a spiritual reality, not a material reality. And it's the whole concept of a spiritual reality is that everything is proceeding according to a certain type of law. 
and there by implication is a plan and a purpose for everything that happens now that is very different than the materialistic view which is which is of the mind that everything is chance everything is just circumstances and we're just sort of like accidentally here and we're more or less helpless so again a very different worldview is taught by manly hall and this is a, the sort of uh worldview that i'm trying to emphasize and teach on my channel and in my various videos and in these publications so so let's go and investigate a little bit into that uh, reality concept of uh, the, the basis of, of, of creation being uh, by God, within God. So the basic relationship that we're going to be looking at is how the oneness becomes a trinity. But the, the oneness is not violated when a trinity happens. It just, it, it's sort of a... a, a a sequence of partitions that take place within the oneness. But the three are still one. It's the three as one. So there's still that unity concept involved. So this is what I write here. Uh, and this is um, in this section. This is on page six. Um, so my, my sort of overview of this worldview is that God is always and ever one, a unity. This unity has two states of being, passive and active, or yin and yang. The passive or yin state of God remains always in unity. So it doesn't act, it doesn't move, it just remains forever itself, which is this, this sort of undifferentiated, unconditioned aspect of the, of the divine. That never is violated. That is an eternal state. So that's the yin state. The, the yang state is the active state. And, and this is where existence as a cycle comes in. So when God moves into an active state, then we have a creation happen, uh, a cycle of creation. And this cycle of creation happens as one great cycle comprised of several subsidiary cycles. And the old teaching is that it's, and this is something we'll look at in a minute, it's seven, the, the one becomes three, and then the three becomes seven. So the three is the, is the sort of number of that master cycle but the seven is going to be seven sub-cycles within that one master cycle. So God remains forever in unity. Uh, and when God moves into the active state, God periodically moves into a state where it adopts the appearance of diversity. And this uh, diversity is first expressed in the form of a trinity. So spirit, soul, body is the basic trinity or spirit, matter, and then the soul. Um, so in the Vedas, the ancient scriptures of India, the relationship between unity and trinity is described around the trinity of Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, which again loosely corresponds to the spirit, soul, body concept. And then you have the three, Brahma, Vishnu, Shiva, and then you have them standing uh, or existing in relation to the one, which is the sort of yin state I'm talking about, the undifferentiated, unconditioned state of God, and that's Brahman. So you have Brahma as the, as the yang and then Brahman as the yin. So this is the foundation of reality. This is the foundation of truth. So anytime you're going to be looking at any component of reality or component of creation, that is 
framework that you're building of whatever you're studying must exist upon this foundation of unity moving into Trinity. So, uh, so I quote Manley Hall here. I said, he says that the root of things is unity, the one and the all, the beginning and the end, the alpha and omega. Within the nature of this nameless eternal one is set up the framework of creation. And then he says, so what does this framework look like? He says, the universe consists of three parts. These parts are called the divine spirit, the divine mind, and the divine form. These three are the first gods out of the one God, the three witnesses, the Trinity. So from the Trinity, you then have the septenary. So again, this is important because I, when I say that there's seven ages, or when the philosophy, the ancient teachings say that there's seven ages of man, and we're in one of those seven stages, and Atlantis was a previous uh, stage, we're explaining why why seven ages. Where does this idea of seven come from? Well, this is where it comes from. It comes from this. It's sort of like the basis of sacred geometry, the fundamental principles of Pythagorean mathematics. Uh, is this idea of understanding the divine law in terms of the essential principles of number. And so that's what we're going to be looking at. Uh, that's what I, that's what, how it's portrayed here is that before we ever get to the human history part, we're talking about the archetypes, the archetype of three, the archetype of seven. So listen to this. Uh, it is said that the logos, now we're talking about God and the creative aspect. When the time comes to create the material universe, entered into a state of deep meditation. So God creates by as a meditative act of itself within itself. So as this act of deep meditation, God centralizes his thought power upon the seven flower-like centers of the seven worlds. And I have a picture here of, a, of the chakras, and that's what we're talking about. We're talking about entering the deep meditation and f- gradually moving down its, its thought our conscious energy until it hits the root chakra. And what we consider material creation is this root chakra. Chakra. So he says, gradually his life force descended from the brain, which was the great superior world or the heaven worlds, uh, which is the one that's on the cusp of this yin state of God that is remains in unity. Okay, so his life force descends from the brain and striking these flowers one after the other gives birth to the lower worlds. When at last his spirit fire struck the lowest center, the physical world was created and his flame was at the base of the world's spine. When the world returns to him again and he once more becomes supreme in consciousness, it will be because he withdraws the life from these seven centers, beginning with the lowest and returns it again to the brain. So this is the cycle. The cycle is the downward motion of the conscious energy among these seven centers Um, and then the end of the cycle is when that energy is raised back up. So when that happens, that down and then up, that's a cycle. That's the master cycle. And so within that cycle, each of those seven flower-like centers is going to be emphasized. So that's the cycle down and up in this divine sort of context. And uh, remember, the chakra concepts, we're, we're, we're talking about metaphysics. So we're talking about dimensions in space that are not physical, but that underlie physical existence or physical reality. 
So um, I have more about that, uh, about the septenary in here. But it's only after establishing the septenary concept do I then move in to discuss the seven ages of man. And I have a little diagram here. Um, so here's what Manley Hall says about that. He says, uh, just to begin to recap what I, what I was saying before, the human race is one great spiritual being, meaning that, that the human race is, a, is not just a species, it's a kingdom in nature. So it means that it's, this kingdom is, so there's the mineral kingdom, the vegetable kingdom, the animal kingdom, the human kingdom, and then there's these higher kingdoms that are in the metaphysical world. And each kingdom is correspond, corresponds to one of these flower-like centers. And it also corresponds to a certain type of energy, specialized energy that's emitted within this divine creation, this divine consciousness. And so we're understanding the hu humanity to be a special thing within nature that has attributes that no other kingdom has. And it, mankind plays a certain role in nature. And furthermore, mankind, uh, being this sort of kingdom, is a whole comprised of parts. It's not just individuals that, that we just say, yeah, I guess you can sum them up and we'll call them mankind if you just add them all together. But actually there's a whole, a consciousness of the whole. And this is really the same principle that underlies Carl Jung's philosophy uh, of the collective unconscious and the archetypes because that whole thing exists because of this part-whole relationship ha that humanity has with itself, which each individual human is linked in consciousness with the whole. And sort of the foundation of mysticism is that you have, it's possible to have an experience of the whole or to have these different types of experiences that are archetypal that are pertaining to the consciousness of the whole. So that's why we can have these experiences because of this part-whole relationship. Um, so this concept of the, of the seven ages of man and is, is intimately, related, intimately related to the idea of the seven races. Now, race in philosophy is not about skin color. It's about a psychological and physical design of a human being. So the idea is that this cycle of seven that takes place within this master cycle, each of those cycles is characterized by a certain design of the earth system. The continental, uh, climate, um, the way the elements are constituted. And so each of those ages has a unique design for the human kingdom the human kingdom is archetypal just like the vegetable kingdom is archetypal or the animal kingdom is archetypal there is a place in nature for each of these as part of the meditation of god it's there's a plan and a purpose for everything to exist in the way that it exists there's a certain experience associated with each form in nature and the aggregator and the actual experiencer of all these different forms is that divine consciousness. So that's the connection. And the reason that there is a meaning and purpose behind things is this idea that things are caused by the intentionality of a divine being. Um, so just to give a quick quote, just to pull something off of this page, because I'm not going to read all of it. It says, Manley Hall's teachings on the spiritual foundations of man. The human creature is one being. These are, this is a quote. The human creature is one being. Humanity is an entity, an entirety. 
It is a unity, a one creature existence. We do not have spiritual beings, plural, divided into racial groups, but one humanity ascending step by step. The races only seem to be different, but in reality, one life is emerging from one race to another. The human being has created this ascending ladder of races, and up it he climbs, race after race, painfully through the ages, moving on from race, the condition of race, the segregation or differentiation of humanity, into an inevitable state of racelessness, which lies at the end of the pattern. We were one in the beginning, and in the end we will be one again. It is in our middle distance that we are hypnotized by the illusion of diversity, by which we seem to be many. Actually, we are still one life and one creation. So only after do I set that foundation are we going to begin to look at different uh, cycles, the different races and the different the history of how we evolved from the earlier cycles into the current cycle and what the meaning is. But the basic idea is that um, all souls that exist today were once Atlantean and all souls that were at once Atlanteans were before then Lemurians. So it's like a school system that the soul, the divine sort of soul, uh, the world soul, which has partitioned itself into these, into its own consciousness, into these individual experiences of, of individual personalities or individual life units. Um, the idea is that, is it, I mean, we're, we're talking about a reincarnation concept. The idea is that the, the soul goes through levels just like we go through levels of school. So the soul required, in its earlier stages, required the experience of being a Lemurian human and what is it what did it mean to experience life as a Lemurian that was a state that was an experience according to the esoteric teachings that we all went through again Atlantis was the next step the next stage uh for the world not just for the human experience but for the whole world because there was a different model of of earth, the earth system at those different cycle points so again, we were all once Atlanteans. We went through, we all experienced the sort of highs and lows of Atlantis. And then we move on in time to now being in our current cycle, which is called the Aria. So the Atlantis is the fourth cycle. Lemuria was the third. And then now we're in the fifth. So one of the main concepts in reincarnation is that there is a um this karma that's blocked to us because we do not have our spiritual perceptions awakened to be able to understand and and be in tune with our past life experiences but there is a karma that we have brought forth from the past and now we're now we're getting to the point of why this why is this relevant today because atlantis is associated with the idea of a fall that there was a high culture that fell into corruption and uh at that point, what was called black magic, which is a misuse of knowledge of the, the of the sort of laws of causation that underlie physical reality, the metaphysical world. So there was knowledge of that that was misused. Uh, and I guess you could say the theme of the misuse is that instead of using it to fulfill the divine plan, 
it was used or misused by certain classes or certain castes or certain priesthoods to fulfill their own personal ambitions that had become separate from, in their mind, separate from the sort of larger law and plan of creation. And so that mismatch between the inevitability of the law of creation and the way that that knowledge had been used in the sort of dark times of the Atlantean age sets up a karmic pattern that resulted not only in the destruction of Atlantis, but also set up a karma pattern in all the souls of the Atlanteans who lived and experienced life during those times. And that karma has to be played out and overcome in future lifetimes. So now that we're in the fifth age, you know, humans today, we all have inherited karma, meaning we're all born sinners, quote unquote, in the sense that we carry carry forth sort of baggage from these past lives. And that... I think explains why throughout history or, or sort of modern recorded history, let's say from the past like 12,000 years, uh, but, but really going up to, I mean, we really don't have much that's solid in terms of history in, in writings before like 500 BC. But even just during the period of time that we know about, we continually see all over the world in different cultures, this archetype still playing it out, playing itself out in our age, which is like the Rome, the fall of Rome essentially is like a sort of microcosm of this Atlantean saga where you have a high culture develop, but then through the sort of misuse of knowledge and the fall of culture and values and the sort of losing sight of the divine relationship that we, oh, the relationship that we all have with the divine, it, there's a gradual decay uh, that takes place, a sort of rot that takes place. And that inevitably leads to the collapse of that civilization but there's always a death rebirth thing taking place. You know, that's part of the, the key uh, qualities of evolution is that an old form must die for a new form to to grow, to emerge. And so these are experiences that are important for the souls. Even the, uh, something like the fall or a collapse of a, of a civilization is, a, is a, an important and necessary s- stage or life experience for the souls who are per- participating in that. So to be someone who had fallen into corruption and then to experience the fall of that is an important experience is because it emphasizes on a deep soul level the inevitability of the law and the idea. I mean, this is really, I think, the, the issue with climate change and, and sustainability is very much premised on the same set of principles, which is the fact that if we ignore the law of nature and we try to impose our will then we lead to environmental destruction and collapse. And that's happening all over the world. And so it's this theme of getting away from the law, getting away from the plan and losing connection with the divine that sets the stage for this type of collapse. So that's what we have happening right now in the world today. And this is why it's really relevant is that these themes that took place in Atlantis are not something that happened to to other people long ago. We all experienced that, even though those memories and that knowledge is at the moment blocked to us. Um, And it's part of our karma, I think, from having experienced what we experienced in those earlier cycles of existence. So we're here now to learn a lesson and to play out a certain stage of human life experience as part of these seven cycles. So we're in the fifth cycle. There's a certain themes and certain growth 
tendencies that need to be expressed. And so, so this Atlantis thing is so relevant in a way that most people won't initially understand, but I hope just listening to me talk about it, you'll, you'll get a sense of why it's important to understand. So I'm going to just flip to the back page and read uh, just my parting thoughts. This is a quote from Manley Hall. Um, and it, it kind of solidifies what I'm saying here. Our world stands as Atlantis stood. Our buildings rise upward. There are many towers pointing to the skies. Our libraries are filled with ancient wisdom. Our scientists and philosophers are exploring the mysteries of nature. Again, we fly through the air and under the, and under the sea. Again, we walk the path that Atlantis walked. But we must go on. We must strive to attain the glory of a greater work. For a day we have forgotten the things we were. A veil conceals the past that we may learn our lessons in a different way. Listen to that. For a day we have forgotten the things we were. A veil conceals the past that we may learn lessons in a different way. We are unfolding new powers, building new faculties, mastering new arts, and creating new ideals. It is our duty to take the best that Atlantis had to give and to learn the mysteries that Lemuria, now lost beneath the waters of Australasia, gave us in times even more ancient than Atlantis. And we must use this uh, knowledge uh, as steps to build upon, to build a new temple, one based on the foundations of the old. So... These are important, uh, important, and I think vital ideas to understand, particularly for somebody who is trying to understand your place within a larger uh, existence and how the uh, sort of atrocities of the current age fit into a kind of meaningful pattern. Because it's easier, it's easy for people, I think, to sink into a type of like existential despair when you're looking at, I mean, just look at the state of the environmental collapse and look at the state of the social crises taking place all over the world and the inequality. Um, and the fact that we all know that we are capable of doing so much better than what we are. Like, how do we make sense of these, the suffering that we're going through? And for me, Manly Hall is like the great guiding light to understand the larger meaning and purpose behind these type of things. So uh, please uh, pick up a copy of the of the zine. Um, I think you'll really enjoy it. You'll definitely get something out of it. And this is the first in the series, so it's going to be I'm going to be building off of this foundation and gradually taking things up to modern day. And when I get to the the some of the later ones, which are very relevant to today, particularly to the idea of um, the sort of UFO phenomena and the idea of uh, what some people call breakthrough energy, I think it's just etheric energy, which is alchemy um, and the reality of that science. Uh, people are going to be really blown away. So, uh, yeah, please support my channel if you can. Um, and thanks for tuning in. And I'm going to do uh, hopefully maybe later today or tomorrow, do another of the uh, lecture analysis series. I haven't done those in a while. So um, anyway, take care.